On this episode of the Calgary Stampeder podcast, Jock Wilson and I, Dave McIver, talk about the success the Calgary Stampeders have had over the last 16 years, the individual player nominees done by the Calgary Stampeders this week, and of course, the final game of the season against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Welcome to episode five of the Calgary Stampeder podcast brought to you by Valentine Volvo and Volvo Fine Cars Royal Oak. It is the last week of the season for the Calgary Stampeders. And what happened last week? Well, that would be a playoff spot clinched for the 16th straight season. A true mark of excellence in terms of a team that's able to continue to do things and put a winning product on the field. On this episode, we'll get into just that continuity that the Calgary Stampeders have had. Hey, we got individual nominees being announced for each team this week in terms of CFL awards. And we got one more game to go, Jock Wilson, before this season is up. It's a game that doesn't mean much in the standings. It's going to be an interesting game to see who's in the lineup and who is not. But nonetheless, it should be a good game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, just as well. So uh, let's bring in my co-host, Jock Wilson. Jock, fresh off a nice trip down to Texas A&M. <laughs> Back uh, for the game over the weekend. Uh, well, how was the trip down to Texas, Jock? I tell you what, it was nice to go somewhere where COVID does not exist. <laughs> yeah, you know, for a whole week, we didn't talk about COVID in Texas. No one's talking about COVID in Texas. The only time you had to wear a mask in Texas was when you were at the airport. Because that was the only time at the Houston airport that masks were mandatory. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm sort of being facetious when I say COVID doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, they're just not afraid of it like we are here in Canada. And we are afraid of it here in Canada. And, and shame on us in the media. We're probably part of that because, you know, that's what we we have spread fear as far as I'm concerned, you know, on, on the COVID front. You know, they respect it. They, they, when you go into stores, they say masks are recommended, but they're not slamming it down your throat, you know, from that standpoint. You know, is it overwhelming their health care system? I don't know, because they don't talk about it. Yeah. So if it is overwhelming their health care system, they're, they're doing a much better job of covering it than we are. You know, I, I go to a Texas A&M football game, and it's 109,000 people. It's the largest, second largest crowd in Texas A&M history. And did I feel safe? You bet. Was anybody wearing a mask? Nope. No one was wearing a mask. And was everybody in that building vaccinated? I have no idea. I'm <laughs> guessing no, John. I am guessing. I am guessing no. You know, the tailgating. We talk about tailgating in Canada. And, you know, tailgating in McMahon Stadium is fun. But the tailgating at a college football game, especially at Texas A&M, it is at a different level. Like it, it is mind-boggling when, when everywhere you go, like the, the whole campus has basically tailgate parties set up. You know, every single parking lot is geared for tailgating. As a matter of fact, the tailgate that I went to, uh, one of my daughter's uh, teammates, uh, their parents uh, have an RV and, and they were in this great parking lot. The parking lot is set up with sewer, with power and, you know, with water. So, you know, you could just hook your RV right up in the parking lot and you're like minutes away from the stadium. It is a gong show, for goodness sakes. The atmosphere is is brilliant. And, you know, hey, uh, everybody talks about the, the halftime show, you know, college bands. College bands make the halftime yeah. show. It, it truly is remarkable. And just the, the atmosphere around it. it. was It was a big game. It was Auburn against uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M did win the football game, which, w- which was fun. But the game was secondary. It was basically just the atmosphere around 
what they create. Now, at Texas A&M, just to share a story here, um, they don't have your regular cheerleaders with the female cheer team or anything from that standpoint. Uh, They're very well known for their cadet school. And so the cadets, year uh, they lead the cheer team, so to speak. And the night before the football game, they call it the midnight yell. And so basically the five cadets that lead the yell and all the different cheers they do for Texas A&M, they had 40 to 45,000 people at the stadium going through all of the different cheers that you're going to learn at the football game the next day. So I was down field level and, you know, the cadets had just knocked it out of the park. So it was, it was, it was really cool. So you could imagine, you know, midnight, night before the game, there's 40 to 45,000 people at the stadium. And then, you know, game day, there's 109,000 people at the stadium. It was, it was freaking an experience, you know, check that one off my bucket list for sure now saying all that is there anything that we you saw down in you know u.s college football and the cfl two different breeds but Mm -hmm. is there anything that the cfl could do because you just talked you just raved about an atmosphere yeah is there anything you know the cfl could learn um from the ncaa game that could get that atmosphere into a cfl experience to kind of start attracting that younger fan? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question because, you know, obviously college football down there, you know, the, the student body is a big part of it. The bands are a big part of it. Um, I, I will say this, though. You know, the halftime show, they try to create an entertainment package right from the, 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 the opening kickoff all the way through. The, the amount of people they move in quickly is fantastic. You know, it's a nice condensed package. I, I look back at the Calgary Stampeder season, and, and you've been down to the games. I've been here at the... Um, at the studio, but the the one halftime show that people are still ra- ra- raving about is is Sailor and, and Frisbee, Frisbee Rob. Rob. And so you know, I I know the, the the word of in in the Canadian Football League is well, you don't want to have a big halftime show because we want people down buying hot dogs and buying beer and all Fair that enough. other kind of stuff. Well, I I just think that's the wrong philosophy. You got to create the atmosphere. You've got to have good entertainment because it's truly about an entertainment package. And if you can have the entertainment package, I think you can attract. You know, because you have to create an event. And you know, I get it. You know, if you want to talk about the soccer game last night in Edmonton, that was an event. But it's also Team Canada playing. It's exactly. not. It's, it's the not country. the Edmonton Elks, or yeah. it's not you know Edmonton FC. It is Team Canada. So I, I will always understand the fact that you know when you've got that Team Canada jersey on, you're going to attract a bigger crowd. But they weren't scared of the weather. They 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 just were there for an, for an atmosphere. And 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 I'll say this, Dave. I, I'm a little concerned for the Canadian Football League because I think soccer has it right. Soccer doesn't take breaks for TV timeouts. Nope. They just it's continuous action all the way through. It's that true entertainment package. And you know I, I've been to a few Cavalry FC games. It's it's good solid entertainment all the way through. And whether you're talking the NHL, whether you're talking. You know, the CFL, you know, you're talking all of these breaks, all of these TV timeouts, and, and that can, you know, lose a little bit for the, for the fan in attendance, uh, you know, at these, at these major sporting events. So, so soccer is onto something. Could soccer take over this country? Could soccer, you know, move ahead of the Canadian Football League as far as a, a true entertainment value? Maybe it will. Maybe it will, uh, but we'll see how this uh, this one plays out. Hey, we've got we got a couple of we're going to talk about it more next week. But you know, you got a couple of big playoff games, and I'm hoping Winnipeg Stadium will be sold out for the Western yeah. Final. I'm hoping Mosaic Stadium will be sold out. You know, for the uh, Western Semifinal against Calgary, uh, we'll see. If if they aren't sold out, then then you know I, we can talk about maybe there is a little more of a concern here in this country. Yeah, I think in terms of the halftime show, Jock, if somebody's going to get a beer or a hot dog, they're going to go get a beer and a hot dog. They just they'll do it during the game, right? Right. If right. you if you give them something to watch at halftime that's uh, you know consistent and fun, 
they're still going to go get that beer and hot dog. They're just going to wait five minutes right. to do it, and you're not going to lose anything there because, hey, look, people are hungry and people are thirsty <laughs> at football games. It doesn't go away no, whether there's true. good halftime or not. So, it's true. Uh, sounds like it was a great experience down in Texas. Uh, it was a great experience last week, Jock, the, the Calgary Stampeders clinching the playoff spot for the 16th consecutive season. It speaks to a lot of things in terms of players, but it really speaks to what John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson have been able to build over their time with this organization. And, you know, you can speak to it, obviously. This has been something that has been building, you know, since John Huffnagel got here. He gave the reins to Dave Dickinson as in terms of the head coaching position, but he moved up top. And they've just been able to have consistency in this organization, mm-hmm. finding players, finding talent and having success it's been it's been beautiful to watch I thought 2019 was maybe Dave Dickinson's best coaching season because of all the injuries I, I I'm now thinking 2021 is Dave Dickinson's best coaching season and, and I know we're going to break it down you know next week a little bit more but this was a young team this was a team with no expectations this was a team that really did poop the bed to start the season you two know they were very they, they weren't very good yeah one and four two and five go down the list and and the way that this team has come together and and trending in the right direction and here we are wrapping up the season and uh, you know all of a sudden there's excitement in this in this city again and I, I I do give the coaching staff a lot of credit obviously the players get the majority of the credit because they they sucked it up and they got their act together but uh, you know D- Dave Dickinson stuck with them and 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 I do think it's when we break it all down you know that you know everybody's going to say Mike O'Shea is the coach of the year in the Canadian Football League well I tell you what uh, I'm, I'm going to look at Dave Dickinson because what he has done with this organization has been a very very good job considering it was such a young team heading into the season yeah I, I think the line that sticks out to me all year is we need to put the players in the right position to succeed. And it took some time, but they figured it out as a coaching staff. And like you say, we'll talk about it more next week. But uh, certainly the continuity in this this organization has been uh, excellent. And uh, 16 straight seasons, not a lot of teams can can say that. So uh, one heck of a year. We're spoiled here in Calgary. That's the bottom line. And then that's probably why we get so frustrated when people (laughs) get angry that, you know, they're a middle-of-the-road team. It's like, look at all you've had, and then look at the job they've done coming uh, back this year from that start it's it's been been fun to watch yeah no and 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 the other thing is people say well it's a nine-team league and six of the nine teams make the playoffs it's an easy league to make the playoffs and, and that's not wrong when no. you when you make that to that summary but if it was so easy you'd see other teams doing it too yeah exactly <laughs> so, so it is about that consistency and and you know again john huffnagel has really brought that and and you know stability and uh, ownership uh, you know goes that uh, goes that way too because i think we all remember the the <laughs> bad old days of you know federick and fateri <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just gong shows, uh, you know, with, uh, with with what was happening in the city. So, you know, stability ownership goes a long way. Absolutely, Jock. Well, let's get into the CFL award nominees for the Calgary Stampeders because they have been announced this morning. And taking a look at the most outstanding player, one of the toughest ones uh, this year for the Calgary Stampeders with, uh, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell going down and just not having that traditional quarterback to mm-hmm. select and put in there. It's Kadeem Carey, the outstanding running back for the Calgary Stampeders this year. Jock, a great season for Kadeem. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, halfway through the season, I don't think it would have been Kadeem Carey. I think it would have been, most people agreeing, Kamar Jordan. Mm -hmm. KJ was having a great season, and then what happens? Just like what happened in 2018, you know, know, he gets set with an injury. 
and and it sort of derails his season. So, you know, I guess if you go from start to finish and who has been the most consistent, hey, I don't think Kadeem was great at the start of the season, but he has ended strong like the Calgary Stampeders have. And, and if you really, you know, look at the at the Calgary Stampeders running game, you need a good running game when it becomes, you know, late November and, and early December for 2021 uh, in, in the playoffs. Uh, how can you how can you not go with Kadeem Carey? Uh, leads the CFL with seven rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, he has 869 yards in scrimmage. Uh, maybe not the best running back in the Canadian Football League this season because uh, I think William Stanback will probably get that honor. But, uh, you know, he, he could... He could he could get some uh, you know you could call him the best running back in the West I think oh one hundred percent I think he's the best running back in the West uh, it was his passing uh, pass catching ability mm-hmm. that really stood out for me twenty six catches one hundred and ninety four yards but it was he made some big catches on second and five six seven to get first downs when you know Bo or Jake had to check it down because there were guys covered past the uh, first down line and I just thought uh, the way he ran this year uh, physically and the way he caught the ball this year uh, he was excellent so uh, Kadeem Carey the most outstanding player nominee for the Calgary Stampeders which takes us to the most outstanding defensive player Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't think people should be surprised, but I think there will be a little bit of surprise. I'm surprised. I, would, I wouldn't have given it to Mike Rose. Yeah, so Mike Rose, as Jock just gave it away before I could announce it, uh, he <laughs> is the most outstanding defensive player for the season. Um, Jock, I thought personally it was going to be Darnell Sankey. I thought mm-hmm. the way that Sankey has came in this year and just gelled so well with Jameer Thurman leading the, leading the CFL in defensive tackles, uh, I thought for sure he was a shoe-in. But uh, Mike Rose has had a good season. And uh, I guess, you know, we're not going to take anything away from Mike Rose. I just thought the consistency of Darnell Sankey throughout the season was going to put him over the top. But Mike Rose is a good selection. There were times this season that I thought Dave Dickinson was going to bench Mike Rose. <laughs> because, he was going to cut him. <laughs> yeah, well, because he was taking some bad penalties and, and the coach was not happy with some of his antics on the field. And, and there were some bad penalties. But, you know, like, like the entire Stampeder team, Mike Rose... Got it, and he the the bells finally went off, the lights finally went off, and and his second half of the season was brilliant. Don't don't get me wrong, I I, I think Mike Rose is a really good player, and that defensive line has been outstanding for the Stampeders. You know, and and to uh, and to have seven sacks as an interior defensive lineman, that's pretty damn good. However. How can you not go with Darnell Sankey? I, I don't know. Dar- leading the Canadian Football League in tackles. You know, the, the game last weekend, he had the 12 tackles. He had the forced fumble. He had a fumble recovery. This guy has been all over the field, and he's got some NFL experience. That's why he's not eligible for the Rookie of the Year. And and he's he's the best tackler, in my opinion, the Calgary Stampeders have. I think Jameer Thurman is right up there as well. But Darnell Sankey would have been my my vote. So I, I think the voters in this case got it wrong. And, and I should point out, I don't get a vote. You don't get a vote. We do not get a vote. I, yes. I don't know if we would have changed the turn the tide on it, Chuck, but um, <laughs> we don't get the voting numbers either. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting one. Mike Rose is the most outstanding defensive player uh, nominated by the Calgary Stampeders, which takes us to the most outstanding offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody sh- should be surprised here. It was Sean McEwen. Uh, basically, everybody else on that line went down at some point mm-hmm. this year. Sean McEwen did not. He started all 13 games. He will start all 14 games after this uh, this game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 
knock on wood, something bad doesn't happen in, 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 the, in the injury form this week. But he's just been consistent. He's been the leader of that offensive line, and he's been able to work with two different quarterbacks this season so far. So I think a, a solid choice in Sean McKeon. What was the one stat I saw, and, and I should probably back this up before I throw it out there, but like there were eight different line combinations for the Calgary Stampeders this season. 13 games, eight different line combinations. That just shows you how many injuries were, were out there. But the one constant was the the center. And Sean McEwen was a free agent signing, wanted to come back to Calgary. Yep. Uh, that was a big one for the Calgary Stampeders as well. And, 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 and I've told you this before, and I've said it on the air before, it's the toughest position for me to judge because who breaks down the offensive line? I, I don't go home watching film saying, I got to really check out that offensive line tonight because they did a hell of a job. You know, hey, if they can, if they can break some holes on the running game, great. If they can protect the quarterback, great. They've done, they've done a good job. You know, and, and from the center, I, I sort of chuckled because I never saw a ball snapped over the head of Bo Levi Mitchell or Jake Mayer this season. So you've done a very good job because you play a lot of shotgun. Hey, I, I love Sean McEwen. He's been consistent. He's been good. Uh, definitely deserving of the most outstanding offensive lineman award for the Calgary Stampeders. I got to imagine the toughest part is having to hit a direct snap to a running back because you got to do a little sideways. There you go. You got to do a there little sideways. And I didn't see uh, him or Kadeem screw that up either nope, this nope, year. So, nope, uh, for sure. solid choice for uh, Sean McEwen as well. I, I want to give a, you know Zach Williams a little bit of a shout out. I think he really, really improved as the season went along. He did. And, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, Ucombre Williams probably would have won it if he played all 13 games. But Ucombre, you know, obviously just had the uh, the injury problems. And, and Julian Good-Jones, you know, uh, you know, as a rookie, you know, he, he came together. But again, we, we just didn't have the consistency on the offensive line. But, you know, Zach Williams, I think, would get an honorable mention for me. Yeah, I think he was excellent this year as well. Probably if there was a most improved player award, he'd be right in the mix for yeah. that one, along with a few other guys. But it's a solid choice to get Sean McEwen. I think he should, you know, probably be in the running for for the West nominee as well. Just playing every single game with all those things and all those challenges you just talked about, Jock. Uh, most outstanding special teams player. We can just skim. No, I'm not. Gonna, we're not gonna just gonna skim over it. But uh, <laughs> pretty pretty easy when you are covering this football club on who the most outstanding special teams Although player. Although you were telling me if you had a vote, you would have gone with number three. I would have. Brandon Dozier. But that's because I also would have went with a different uh, most outstanding Canadian. You've got to make it easy for yourself, John. Okay, okay. So uh, Renee Paredes was uh, the most outstanding special teams player. Uh, fifth time Paredes is Calgary's nominee for the league special team award. Uh, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016. Uh, voted most outstanding special teams player in 2013. So kickers do get a little bit of love when it comes to that award. But uh, hey, this guy, what do we call Mr. Automatic. Yeah. He missed one big kick this year, and it was at, you know, we always talk about, well, what's Renee's distance? About 52 yards and in. It was a 52-yard field yeah. goal. So yeah. basically anything inside 45, he was Mr. Automatic and a solid choice for this. For Dave this Dickinson, award. Mark Killam says maybe this was uh, Renee Perez's best season, and, and, and maybe it was because you look at his success rate, what, just over 91%. That is pretty impressive. And, and let's not forget, Rene Paredes has not been 100% no, all season long no. because he's been battling a little bit of a groin injury. And, and you're right. If it's a 55-yard kick, I... I, I they I'm, punt. Yeah, you, you punt. <laughs> exactly punt. right. But anything inside of 50, this guy is, is Mr. Automatic. And, and he was perfect on the converts until that game against the BC yes. Lions where he finally missed his, uh, his first convert of the season. But uh, no, how, how can you not go? And, and, and I, I like your, you know, you, you look at, because uh, Mark Gillum has said, Dave Dickinson has always said all the way through that, you know, they've been very happy with all elements of their special teams. Yep. Their coverage, they get downfield quickly, they cover very, very well. Cody Grace has been 
excellent. Renee Paredes has been excellent. You know, you put Aaron Crawford into the mix as well as your, as your long snapper. I think there's lots of positives, you know, from that perspective. And, you know, who are guys that get downfield quickly and make the tackle? And and I, I think you're onto something with Brandon Dozier. He should get an honorable mention because there's a guy that, you know, played full-time on defense and full-time on special teams. That can take a lot out of you as a player. Uh, Brandon Dozier did a very, very good job with him. We, uh, we had a couple chuckles uh, when we were sitting here when we weren't able to be at the games on the road this mm-hmm. year. And, you know, we'd, we'd see a punt or, uh, or a kickoff and we'd see a tackle. And I'd just look at you, Jock. And I'd go, Dozier? Yep. And you go, yep. And then we would just move, go on about our day. So he does get an honorable mention. But, of course, Renee kicks, kicks the old goal, field goals six times twice this season in two separate games. So yep. th- that gets it done. Uh, that takes us to the most outstanding Canadian. And, uh, you know, no surprise here, really. I would have, uh, you know, gone with Renee Paredes. We've already been through all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Six-year veteran from Toronto, Derek Wiegand gets, yep. the, gets the nod and, teaming up with Mike Rose on that interior of the defensive line this year, Jock, uh, they've been excellent. And I think for both of them to get a nod, uh, it's almost fitting for, uh, for those two players who have played so well together this year. No, I, I think this is one that I probably would have got wrong. And, and I think the voters got it right because, you know, I, I was looking at Paredes, I was looking at Sean McEwen. Uh, you sort of sometimes forget that Derek Wiegand is a Canadian and, and a damn good Canadian yep. as well. And, and I will say, you know, that interior of the defensive line, he is a ratio changer for this football club. And, you know, that, uh, that, that, that interior of the defensive line with Mike Rose and Derek Wiegand, as you say, is very, very good. Uh, you know, he started all 13 games for the team this season, you know, 31 tackles, you know, three tackles for a loss, you know, a couple of sacks, a forced fumble, a very, very solid season for Derek Wiegand. And yeah, kudos. Uh, the voters got this one right. They absolutely did. Uh, 31 tackles, three for a loss, two sacks, a forced fumble for yeah. Derek Wiegand. So uh, sa- solid as the most outstanding Canadian nominee, which takes us to our final nominee of the episode and, uh, well, of the nomination process, and that's most outstanding rookie. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia product, Isaac Adiemi Berglund played every game this season, seven starts at defensive end, and it's not a story of success at the beginning of the season. Yeah. It's a story of hard work uh, getting better, a lot of work with Corey Mace, and uh, and really improving throughout the entire season. So the most outstanding rookie nominee is obviously Isaac Adiemi Berglund. I, I love the story how you know he was he was a high draft pick, third overall by yep. the Calgary Stampeders in 2020, and you know obviously we had the COVID season, so he couldn't play. So he comes to camp this year. You know he thinks, hey, I'm a high draft pick. I'm a pretty good player. It's a he, young team. It's a young team. I'm gonna <laughs> and he wasn't very good, and he even admits he wasn't very good. Yep. He, he had a bull rush that's all he had that was his only move and Dave Dickens is telling me it wasn't even that good of a bull rush <laughs> so, so this, is a, this is a guy that Corey Mace worked with closely Dave Dickinson was telling me that you know he he basically did a lot of it on his own time too it was outside of practice because he wanted to get better mm-hmm. and you talk about the most improved player on the team it probably is Isaac Eddie yes. Berglund because you know from from day one of training camp where you're thinking okay did the Stamps make a mistake with their uh, you know third overall pick in 2020 well, no, they obviously didn't make a mistake because he developed into a fine football player and, you know, was a, was sort of a spare part early and became an integral part later on in the season. So, yeah, I think this is, a, you know, and, and who else would you put into the Rookie of the Year category? Again, there's only so many players that are eligible because if you have NFL experience, you're not. You know, I think Cody Grice had yep. a very, very nice season for the Stampeders. You could have put him into the mix, but he's a punter, okay? I so, know, I get it. So, you know. Will, you know, he hey, gets an honorable mention for me. Punting is not <laughs> tough unless you're Marquise Hamble. 
Bibles, but that's another story altogether. Um, so bottom line is uh, Isaac Ediema Berglund, uh, very, very good choice. So to recap, Kadeem Carey, the nominee for Most Outstanding Player, Mike Rose, outstand, Most Outstanding Defensive Player, Sean McEwen, Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman, Renee Paredes, Most Outstanding Special Teams Player, Derek Wiegand, the Most Outstanding Canadian, and Isaac Ediema Berglund as the Most Outstanding Rookie. Some solid nominees there mm-hmm. for the Calgary Stampeders. If you had to pick one guy that gets nominated for the West Jock, who is it? Ooh, that is a really good question. Uh, it's not going to be Kadeem Carey, sadly. Nope. Uh, it's mm, probably not going to be Mike Rose. I would say the Western nominee, maybe Renee Paredes. Yeah. I, I, you know, Devontae Dedman is obviously going to win the award overall. Yeah, from, um, the, from the Red he, he has a chance to be the most outstanding special teams player in the West, I think. I think Sean McEwen has a chance as the as the outstanding offensive lineman because, you know, the Stamps O-line was pretty good, allowing the second fewest sacks in the Canadian Football League this season. Um, other than that, I think, uh, you know, those would be my, my two... Uh, but I would say, Renee, probably the best chance to get out of the West. Yep, yep, I would agree with you on that one. So that takes us into our final week of the season, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I, w- I don't want to call it a meaningless game because there are things that both the Stamps and Bombers want to do mm-hmm. when they play this game on Saturday evening. But in terms of standings and in terms of anybody changing where they're starting their playoff date, it's it's meaningless because right. nothing's going to change um, on the west side. So uh, the, the, the question is always rest versus rust. What are we going to see? The Stamps don't have to worry about really rest versus rust because they're not getting a week off like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are. They're going to go in, and my guess is you're going to see your starters who are healthy Mm -hmm. and you're going to see a a sprinkling in of some of the players that haven't played that much this season. And and I don't think, you know, they say they want to win and and I'm sure they do want to win, but I don't think the scoreboard is going to change how they deploy the, their players in situations on Saturday. The key word I think you mentioned, Dave was healthy. And, and if you have any little Nick, even if it's a minor Nick, you don't play in this game because there's no there's, there's no, no sense. You know, yeah. you use the time to get healthy, be 100% for that Western semifinal November the 28th against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in, in Mosaic Stadium. So a guy like, you know, Jamar Wall, who's been very, very good, dealing with a little bit of an elbow injury, uh, maybe, he wouldn't, maybe he shouldn't play this weekend. Mike Rose, you know, who's in the running for, you know, your most outstanding defensive player, he got a little bit of a ding. Uh, I, I don't know if I would play Mike Rose in this game. I'm not even sure I would play Reggie Bagleton. You know, as much as he's only played one game, game this season I, I may he's, he's going through concussion protocol well, why would you risk that individual well and he's clearly shown he doesn't yeah. need to play any games <laughs> well, because exactly. you know, seven catches 111 yards and a touchdown yeah. so he didn't need any games nope. to come in and, and light it up. i can understand why you know coach would want to play him yeah because he's only played the one game but why risk it yeah. I'd rather have a healthy Reggie Bagleton for the game against the Riders. So those are the those are the little nicks and bruises that I think you got to be uh, be concerned about, and especially when you're dealing with a possible head injury with Reggie Bagleton, why why risk it? So uh, as much as Stampeder fans would love to see him at home at McMahon Stadium, uh, I I probably wouldn't play him. I would play Bo Levi Mitchell. I wouldn't play him a lot. Nope. I would probably play him a quarter and a half, and then let Jake take over. I wonder if they'll even dress three quarterbacks for this game. You know, does uh, does Michael O'Connor get in for a bit? I, I don't know. Well. You should stake a hat to that claim, Jock. 
Hey, you yeah. should stake a hat to that claim. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I like that. <laughs> because, uh, you know, of course, Joxel owes me a hat eating. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it should be a good game this Saturday. Obviously, uh, the Stamps will be trying to win that game. It'll just be maybe a little bit of a different-looking yep. roster. So that game is 5 o'clock on Saturday. That means the pregame show goes at 3.30. That'll be Jock with Greg and Mark. Uh, I'll be making a small appearance, but, of course, uh, I'm down on the sidelines and hopefully not freezing my butt off for this game supposed to be decent weather Saturday uh, at least on Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning when we're recording this it's looking for about a minus two and maybe a little bit of snow we know that'll fall off uh, as the game it's gets. Calgary it's late November what do you expect I, I'm ready for it I got my feet warmers and my hand warmers good buddy and I'm gonna be uh, toasty warm down there so it should be a, a good one and then uh, I guess that's it for the sidelines for me for the rest of the regular season or I guess for the rest of the season because the stamps won't be returning to McMahon to play any games hopefully they have uh, after this one hopefully they have three more left jock it'd be nice to see uh the stampeder podcast brought to you by valentine volvo and volvo fine cars royal oak next week we are back with your season review and uh we'll talk everything that the calgary stampeders did this season from the good to the bad to the ugly to the downright ugly which we might have seen at the beginning of the season but a nice run throughout the season for the calgary stampeders thanks for listening i'm dave mciver he's jock wilson we'll see you in a week 